0: Hello and welcome to our very first WEN Cafe podcast. I'm Catherine Fuchs, Director of the Women's Equality Network Wales and in this month's WEN Cafe we highlight Learning Disability Week. It's an episode based around the impact of Covid-19 on neurodiverse women. We wanted to investigate how life has been under lockdown for those who are neurodiverse and glean any lessons learnt. Obviously there have been huge difficulties during the pandemic, but I know also that there may have been some positives for neurodiverse people and we want to explore those in this podcast. And of course, like at all our WEN cafes, we will ensure the ideas raised by the panel, listening to lived experience, are sent on to the relevant government minister. As what we are really interested in here at When Wales is changing things for the better so that we have a Wales free from gender discrimination. We're delighted to welcome speakers from self-advocacy groups Cardiff People First and Caerphilly People First. Also, we're going to hear from Learning Disability Wales about the results of a survey they've done and listen to the founder of the Aubergine Café discuss their experiences with lockdown and the transition out of it and what their incredible space at the café provides for people who are neurodiverse. So let's dive in with our first guest, Fionn Poole, who is chair of Caffili People First, a self-advocacy group for people with learning disabilities. So hi, Fionn, I'm great to have you with us. Can you first introduce yourself
1: I'm Fionn Poole and I'm from Wales. I am the chair of Caffili People First. Um, I have got autism.
0: And have there been any changes in your health during lockdown? I've started a
1: PT now, so I go every Tuesday with my sister to a PT and she helps me lose, my, lose weight and get fitter. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: And how has your health changed as a result of doing the... PT, personal training I imagine that is. How's that benefited your Um, health?
1: So if obviously I suffer with mental health as well so I suffer with anxiety and depression and it has helped me um, manage my anxiety and my anger a bit more. I get nervous before I go to go to PT's but the PT session but the woman's like very very understanding so she's helped me like become over my nervous and I absolutely enjoy it and I can see myself progressing every week I can feel myself not going out of breath so much and I'm getting a lot happier and healthier
0: strangely the lockdown situation we've been in has kind of given people the time and the space to do more exercise I'm sure that isn't the same for everyone, but it's great that that's really helped you. Um, yeah. But how, with with the lockdown, how did you feel when you couldn't see your friends and family?
1: So when lockdown began, um, I had a three-month-old nervous that I was looking after every day. So when the COVID-19 hit and we had to be locked down, I, could, I had to stop seeing him because obviously I didn't want to Cut. Even though I weren't going out, I just still didn't want to give him anything. I was lucky that um, my fa- some of my lo- my family live in the same street So I could like still wave to him through the I could still wave to him through the window. I also that uh, like I said before, that I'm the chair of Kafili people first. So I used to see some of my fr- um, some of my friends um in at some of the events and obviously at the office, because I used to go in for four days a week um but it, it it was hard but it was nice that I could still see them being connected or connected online
0: what has it been like to work from home
1: um so working from home has been an up and down experience for me because obviously I'm autistic and I don't like change so it have been hard for me but I finally got used to it and I in the end I loved working from home it was really really nice
0: May I ask what you liked about it? What, what was better for you working from home in the end? So
1: you could get more work done because you didn't have everyone nattering to you while you were working. So you just had like the nice, quiet space.
0: How did people with a learning disability stay connected?
1: So at the start of lockdown, I put my thinking cap on and I thought to myself, like, this is the time where we need to get everyone together we need to keep everyone connected with a disability now because it's going to be hard for them not seeing their friends not seeing their family so um, i came up with my own activity so i done an activity i done an activity night um which was held every thursday night six to eight, and um i done different activities like um karaoke bingo discos and different quizzes every week. So there was like music quizzes, geography quizzes, history quizzes. Um, And also June last year, I um, became a member on an app called um, Insight by Innovate Trust. And it is an app for people with learning disabilities and they run over 50 activities a day. And so they run activities like um, bingos, uh, Zumba, um, yoga, learning Welsh through games and, games and songs and many more. I'm also part of the peer led team as well with that in Insight by Innovate Trust and is a team with people with learning disabilities and is a part of the app obviously. So there's members with, that are on the app because we don't let any anyone on the app. You've got to have a disability to be on the app. And we run our own day activities and evenings. So we've had like drag nights, like discos and all that so that was and I've also done a a relationship course with them as well so that's how we've got everyone connected with people with disabilities during lockdown
0: that sounds absolutely brilliant Fionn. so another tack for a question this time around your support did you lose some of your support during lockdown
1: I was still lucky to have support for um during lockdown. So it was my support worker that is from Kafili People First. So we was having like a lot of um meetings online. We would have like a like a once a week or twice a week where me and her would face time and we would keep keep like talking to one another, saying like what we're going to do when lockdown's over, um, project for Kafili people first when lockdown's over. So I was lucky enough to still have our support during lockdown and my family are quite supportive as well so I had support off my family and Kafili people first.
0: So it sounds like you were one of the lucky people that didn't didn't lose support and yeah. connection.
1: Um... I must go into Kafili people first obviously because I liked seeing all the diff- like all the people that we used to to go to uh, used to see I also missed like going away with them as well because we used to go on like res- we used to go on like um, team building trips once a year Um, we used to go to the All Wales People First conferences and sometimes that was away, so we would like stay overnight we would um we'd be traveling every day we'd be out on the road basically going somewhere and I also missed seeing my family that i couldn't see as well um my nan was quite poorly doing lockdown and she was in a hospital i missed going to the cinema and going out for food and seeing my friends and my, most importantly i missed going shopping i love shopping i love spending money <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ah, so maybe one of the positives then is is you've saved some money over this yeah. period. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I've made up yeah. for
0: did you attend online events like Gig Buddies?
1: I became a stay up late ambassador during lockdown. And I did, I joined one of the one or two of the
0: Kazooms. Fantastic. Can you explain what Gig Buddies is?
1: So Gig Buddies is um, a voluntary charity for people with um, a learning disability or autism um, and is to help you um, go to, so you've matched up with a buddy that they've got the same interests as you and you can go to concerts, um, go shopping, um, anything that you're interested in you can go. Um, I know someone who's just joined um, the Gig Buddy charity and she got matched up with someone and they went um, and they went around the um, park in Chadega for a um, little walk and they're going to start going fishing together.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. That sounds brilliant. So it's a really great way of, of meeting new people and um, supporting each other. So is there anything you liked about lockdown? The only thing I, that there's a couple of things that I like doing lockdown that I didn't
1: have to get dressed every day. <laughs> I didn't have to get dressed every day unless I had a meeting with work. Um, and the other thing I liked about lockdown as well is that I could connect with everyone. And because I connected with everyone and obviously the Insight app as well, the Insight app have been amazing. It have been amazing for me doing lockdown. And because um, I've been able to, to connect i've been able to connect with old friends and new friends as well and being able to meet new friends like i got a few new friends now that live in north wales via this insight app and when it when it when this is finally all blown over we're all going to think about going to cardiff and going and meeting up with one another so yeah
0: wonderful so the power of technology is is incredible isn't it so uh, i want to ask you about the rules Do you think the rules about coronavirus are clear?
1: I don't think the rules about coronavirus are clear. They are quite hard to understand. Um, And also they change every three weeks. And sometimes um, before Mark Drakeford makes an announcement and says, these are the rules, social media, always sometimes social media, put um, some fake rules out and then you don't know if they're true or they're not. Um, so yeah, I I don't think the rules are very clear. I always gotta ask my support worker or my mum or my dad or my stepdad to explain what the rules are.
0: What should the government do to make sure that the information is easy to understand?
1: I think um the Welsh government should make an easy read document on the on the rules and put per, per up on the government website oh, I know this is going to be hard work, but to post them out to every single person that have got a learning disability, I think it should be, I think they should have a learning disability register with, right, they've, this is everyone that's got a learning disability in Wales. Can we send them an easy read document with the, new, with the new rules? Or they should do a different briefing. I know they haven't got time, but I think they should do either, either make a list, either make a list on, who has got a learning disability and send a document out to them to say, right, these are the rules with that. But then also, if they can't do that, I also think that they should do a separate briefing for people with learning disabilities with easier understanding words because my mum hasn't got a disability and she've said to me during, during this lockdown, she can't understand some of the rules. She do not know what she can do and what she can't do.
0: I, I think that's a really strong point, Fionn, and we will definitely pass that on to... Um people in Welsh government because I think you're right um so how do you feel about coronavirus now
1: um so like I said earlier I've had my two second doses now I had the AstraZeneca one I was barred on my first one but my second but my second one it didn't give me any side effects I just had a sore arm and a and just a little bit of a bruise um but so I feel more safer to go out now but like I said I'm still wary on who I'm around so I only tend to be around people that have either had the first dose or the second dose um so yeah I feel more safer now about Covid but I know that I can still catch it so I still wear a mask when needed and I keep my distance and wash my hands.
0: And how do you feel about coming out of lockdown?
1: To be honest I am very excited about coming out of lockdown and like I said earlier, I've already been out for food and drinks and um, a few walks with um, a few different friends. And I've started back up with Kafili People First four days a week. And also um, my grandfather's got a caravan in Tenby, so I've been down, there for a f- been down there a few times since lockdown have eased a bit as well.
0: Oh, wonderful. And I i bet you wish you were there now in this amazing weather. I do. Weather. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> it always seems to be the way that you, we you know, we take days off when, um, when it's pouring know, with take, rain. It happens to me every off. time.
1: I know. You take days off, go for a holiday and then our arm is down. And then as soon as you're back home, the sun is shining. <laughs> yeah,
0: but Tembi's fantastic, isn't it? I love it. I love Tembi. Yeah, it's beautiful. So... Um, what should the government do to support women with learning disabilities?
1: I think the government should support women with learning disabilities by giving them a helpline. Um. So if they need um. So if they need help, advice, or support on anything, then you can ring the helpline and they can help you.
0: What a great idea! I like it. I mean, I think in a way, anyway, you'd already answered that question to some degree by talking about although obviously it helps women and men the idea of having a separate briefing or a second briefing or sending out the easy read document I think would be really helpful it's been so lovely talking to you Fionn
2: um,
0: I think you're you're an incredible ambassador for people first that's for sure and it's been really interesting hearing about how you've got through this really really difficult period and how and what's coming across for me is that it was really really tough to begin with but with the help of your support worker your family and the app you've really and your personal trainer you've really thrived and do you do you feel that the lockdown has shown you that you are more resilient you're stronger than you thought you were
1: yeah yeah it's definitely made me realize that that is not just me that that is struggling in the world with mental health. There's way more people struggling in the world with mental health, and also the lockdown has showed me that I am stronger than I am, and I'm capable of anything. I've learned who my friends are. I've made new friends, over the way of uh, across the way of this lockdown, and I'm hoping that that them friendships
0: can can stay. Yeah, it sounds like they will. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you. A big thank you to Fionn for sharing her experiences with us. Next up, we speak to Selina Kaimauer, founder of Aubergine Cafe. Hi, Selina. Welcome to this WEN Cafe podcast. We'd love to start by asking you to introduce yourself, please. Of
2: course. So I'm Selina Kaimauer. I'm the founder of Aubergine Cafe, which is owned and run by the autistic community. So whilst I'm the founder, I'm by no means the creator, I'll say, because the creation has been uh, a community effort. So it kind of, it belongs to the autistic and neurodivergent community, really. Um, And what we do is we we have a cafe, um, but we also run like online workshops for autistic and neurodivergent adults to access for free of charge, if possible and we not only employ autistic staff in our project but we employ autistic and neurodivergent freelancers to run those workshops and to to really showcase their work so we tried we're trying to sort of benefit the community from as many angles as possible um and that's what we're doing there we've just reopened our cafe again to the public
0: mm. fantastic and- I mean what and why why did you set it up why did you feel this space was needed
2: well there's a story behind it really and there's 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 a particular moment where it happened i'd actually been in a series of a series of employment roles where um i was pretty good at the job but i struggled on some of the things that other people find easy timesheets this and that um and complications would arise at work, and inevitably, I'd lose this great job. This, w- this was a pattern. One day, I left a job after having, having such a big meltdown. I left it with a head injury, and I sort of vowed never to work for another organisation again because, however supportive they seem to sound uh, towards uh, people with autism, in practice, they're not really sure what they're doing. And so, as people do, I took to social media to rant and I said, do you know what the problem with um, being autistic in a workplace is, is that everyone else isn't autistic. And it was a bit of a tongue in cheek thing to say, but somebody responded with, well, why don't you create that workplace? And uh, And then it was born. <laughs>
0: How fantastic. So, yeah, it was very much born out of your own experience and your own needs. And um, it's great to hear that it's obviously you've opened up um, again because the pan- the pandemic stopped you. And it's, it's great to hear that people have obviously come straight back in um, to use that space. So I'd really like to hear, though, a bit more about how the pandemic's impacted women and non-binary people that you know, in the neurodiverse community.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's been it's been a really strange journey, I think for us. At the beginning there was a sense of relief almost that these social pressures of being out and having to perform these uh, societal roles, you know, whether that's just sort of like practicing good social skills or, you know, whether it's around performing gender roles you know all sorts of things there was this relief that we didn't have to participate in this world anymore and there was a great anxiety there's been a great anxiety of when things go back to normal we're going to be struggling again and what I've seen is that anxiety has increased over the time. How long has it been now? It's been been well over a year, it's almost a year and a half. That anxiety has increased and we're seeing that people are struggling to think about how they're going to transition back into normality,
0: so to speak. Is is there anything you think people in organisations like WEN or government can do to help that transition be better?
2: what we're what we're doing is we've done a very kind of quiet opening with the idea being that autistic and neurodivergent people can come and find it because like they're starting to hear that we're open so they're coming to us and we want them to be able to get used to the space in a really kind of like safe way so it's it's a safer way of of practicing socializing again and being in an environment where you're not in control you don't you can't just get up and go to the refrigerator or get a cardigan or whatever it is that you could do at home to like stay comfortable and feeling control in your life all of a sudden you're you're living in a space where there's someone else's role. so creating a place where people can kind of start to get used to that without all of the big pressures I think is a great idea now how you would perform that in your organization would really sort of like depend upon your communities but I think you'll find that by offering this kind of um, opportunity that would work for autistic people would probably also benefit a lot of people who might otherwise be um, uh, vulnerable or have mental health difficulties and other disabilities or other health complications, for example, uh, women, women who are um, you know who have um, experienced trauma and so on. you know there's there are lots of people who would benefit. Who, who make up a huge proportion of our society so I don't know whether sort of like quiet evenings or like just a sp- like special bookings or, for eggs ex- or maybe if there's I'm just trying to think of an example like um if people want to go to um open day surgery days maybe there's a, sp- a specific time that can be set out that's especially for people who might be a little bit more nervous or just need a little bit of Extra support, or to make it a bit quieter. Do you, do you know what
0: I mean? So yeah, that's. I really love that idea. How's it been communicating and socializing online?
2: I think this has been mixed across the whole community, um, but hmm. for a lot of autistic and neurodivergent people, anyway, we've we've tended to do a lot of us socializing online. It's just easier than in person. Um, so for a lot of people, I don't think that's changed. But for some of us, so having this space to really think about what our priorities are and so on and who our priorities are, you know, th- that the pandemic has brought us, has um, also given us the space to evaluate what we put our energy into, which social interactions we put our energy into and which ones we actually get benefit from and which ones perhaps cause us a little bit more more um, challenge. And so quite often on social media, you know, we get drawn into um, heated uh, debates around all sorts of uh, political issues. I think a lot of us have realized that we can't have as big of an impact on the world situation as we would love to have. But what we can have an impact on are the people around us. And so a lot of us have actually been spending a little bit more time focusing on say, small group uh, chats with just people who you, actually want to spend your social energy on. And I think that's been a really interesting learning position for autistic and neurodivergent people who we quite often struggle to know the difference between say a friend and an acquaintance and a colleague, and we might like put equal amounts of energy into all of them when actually, it's probably beneficial for people to spend a bit more time putting the energy into those who who have a positive impact on our lives. I don't go on Facebook, or I sort of switched. Yeah, I don't really use social media anymore, which is really interesting because I lived on it.
0: Before. So is is really so before the pandemic you lived on social media, and since the pandemic you've you've really stepped from it. So I guess it sounds like that that for you is one of the positive aspects of lockdown.
2: Yes. But it does mean that now that I've I've got a lot more choice, I feel like I have more choice and autonomy over the people who I spend time with. Now that lockdown is lifting, that's a big change to set back to. So that is an extra challenge. Although I, you know, I I think some of us feel a little bit more uh, strong about what our boundaries are, which is great.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because as we move back into so-called normal life the other thing that i've been finding is i'm incredibly tired and exhausted with because i'm not used to going out and, and kind of meeting people and although it's wonderful to see my good friends and my family again it's it is it's really really tiring have you found the same thing
2: well that's what we call um so well, yeah social exhaustion so you've mm-hmm. you've spent some of your social spoons which you you're not used to allocating anymore uh, which I think this brings me to a really interesting kind of like thought that I want to share with you I want you to imagine autistic people are more highly sensitive versions of non-autistic people let's imagine that for a second just entertain my thought so what this pandemic i think has shown us is that non-autistic people are experiencing the things that autistic people regularly experience and are gaining a little understanding of it so for example you were just talking about the social exhaustion that's that's the sort of thing that all, that's that's a trait of autism. That's something that we would typically experience every day, even with people mm-hmm. who we find really um easy to be around. Yeah, so that's one one really great example. Um, and if we go back to the the thing about creating spaces that are um supportive for autistic people, there is lots of there is evidence based research that tells us that when you make spaces, uh, businesses in particular, um autism friendly you actually make it people friendly because of all of the things that you put in place everyone benefits from so if you think of all of this the very high the sensitivities that we have we're very sensitive we tend to be very sensitive to noise for example which is why all cafe is very very quiet we don't have a noisy coffee machine or uh, and so on but non-autistic people benefit from that as well they say Absolutely. oh i didn't realize that other cafes were so uncomfortable until i came here mm. So it's like you we all feel those discomforts autistic people feel them kind of i guess much more sensitively so my my i propose that non-autistic people have a lot to that they can learn about themselves from autistics that's my proposal and I'd yeah really that's
0: it. really that's really interesting selena i think that
2: the next step to that then mm-hmm. would be what what do you do to put that knowledge like into practice into benefit and that would be to I think, learn from autistics in how we can just (laughs) make spaces better.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, absolutely. Because we know that everyone will benefit. I'd love to hear, where did the idea come from the Aubergine Café? Had you seen other cafes in other countries or in other cities? Why this particular model?
2: Honestly, I've never seen anything like this. We've searched. I, I haven't seen anything that's run by autistics and in... Employees like just autistics um, and you know, and neurodivergent. We do expand to neurodivergent people. There's so much crossover, after all. I do have experience. So I've got experience in as a, a professional working with uh, people with disabilities and autism, mm-hmm. particularly learning difficulties. I also have catering experience. <laughs> I have managed. Right. It. it just seems like a logical, uh, a logical step because it's, it's. It's a tool, it's not just a cafe in a space, it's a tool. We can use it as a social space, we can use it as a space to learn, to teach people roles in um, a cafe management, and um, food yeah. service, and to give people opportunities in um, a space where it's okay to be openly autistic, you know? Yeah. If you have yeah, ear defenders at work, as long as you can still hear people and hear safety information, absolutely fine there's no reason why there should be a rule or an expectation that people um that people can't do that you know
0: exactly so your your cafe is absolutely unique and i think that's brilliant i guess i'm guessing you may have had some challenges setting it up did you have any grant funding or any support in setting up aubergine cafe
2: we did we we actually approached them um, the lottery fund they do a small they do a small mm fund of it was up to ten thousand at the time but it's actually really it's really accessible to apply for if you have i mean if you have a good idea that is (laughs) but um but you can approach them and they can support you through how to model your idea and so on and the 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 form is quite simple um and we received we received just over seven thousand pounds i think from them and that helped us to buy the equipment to set up a pop-up and the idea would be that we'd find a bigger and better or just more suitable location. So we had a pop-up for a couple of months and then we relied on some um, like crowdfunding in order to sort uh-huh. of like, get the new property. We spent months with volunteers uh-huh. reading the property and then the pandemic hit just as we were starting. Um, so that's, that's kind of all we had to that point but then we realised that as a community organization, we really needed to do something. We were really upset that charity organizations, there are like arts organizations, for example, that are local, that are charities, would uh, had closed. And it's like, we felt mm. like that was public money that should perhaps be used to do something else for the public. So we really strove to do that because we were really worried about autistic people being further uh, socially isolated by this. Um, so we approached the Arts Council for Wales, and um, we've had a really great relationship with them ever since. We've also had some money from Comic Relief and the, P- uh, the People's Postcode Trust, Stability Wales, and the Emergency Trust um, to do like workshops and help prepare the cafe to be like safer for when we reopen. So we we have we've honestly we've we've been busier than ever during the pandemic. And I think that's because it's a really needed project.
0: Absolutely. It definitely is needed. I can see that. And um, it's great to hear a bit more about its history and how you got it off the ground. And I'd love to just finish by asking you a question around what we think, what do you think Welsh government needs to do now to advance equality for neurodiverse women and non-binary people?
2: I think, as I've mentioned before, I think the Welsh Government and other organisations need to spend a bit more time with us and listening to us. There are a lot of people who are professionals in autism who know a lot about, for example, their psychology and um, the history of the institution <laughs> in Wales of, uh, of uh, how to support autistic people. However, we I feel like we're an untapped resource our lived experiences and skills and the unique sort of like micro communities that we create that where we, we have our own sort of like social rules. We have our own ways of working through issues which are like different to the rest of the community. You know, that I think there's a lot that you can learn from us. I think that that should be invested in. I know that Mark Drakeford has spent a lot of time with the adult autistic community in Wales over the last few years.
0: I'd really like to see more of that. Totally understand what you're saying is that you, there needs to be much more interaction between the autistic community and the non-autistic community, but it mainly needs to be listening. Um, yeah. And it's it's really interesting that the First Minister has kind of reached out and done that listening. Um, he seems a really reflective kind of person
2: but he he does he does seem a really reflective person
0: I mean what strikes me from what you're saying is that neurodiverse people have a unique it sounds like and forgive me if this is all wrong just tell me if it is but it sounds like what you're saying is you have a unique way of looking at problems and kind of solving problems and Mm, yeah things and social rules and therefore we all need to listen and learn from that and we could all learn a lot from it
2: you can all benefit from it I believe yeah I feel I feel as though that when we when we're in our own environment we we don't have a problem with socializing we have in in some ways in our in in this the place where I'm staying currently uh'm I'm, I'm decorating my flat so I'm staying in a household of uh five autistic adults and we we practice non-verbal communication sometimes because it's more appropriate for the situation there's no one here to say use your words and to tell us to to be normal (laughs) you know if you like Um, we we communicate more effectively sometimes we use no words sometimes we use gestures and sometimes we um we fixate on the exactness of the words that we're using to make sure that (laughs) they are very clear and concise but it works it works for us you'll see you'll see that the research shows sorry i'm going off on a bit there is research that shows that autistic people struggle with socializing with other people but autistic people don't have those struggles socializing with other autistics so what can you learn from that so i think that's i think people need to start getting curious yeah that's what i'd really like to see get curious
0: Excellent. Well, that I'm really, really pleased that um, we've been able to talk to you and I feel like I hope that this conversation and this podcast will definitely help people want to become curious and really um, make people think, right, I need to get down to the Aubergine Cafe yeah. and see what it's it's like and uh, come and experience mm-hmm. uh, this incredible space that you've created. It just sounds amazing, Selena. I for one yeah. cannot wait to come Thank you. and you. Um, and be and and be there. I don't know if you want to tell everyone where it is and how they can get involved.
2: Yeah well we're on Clare Street which is in Riverside in Cardiff and um you can find us at auberginecafe.co.uk. We're also on Google Maps if you look for Aubergine Café Cardiff. Most people who get involved with us with working with us or volunteering or whatever we do we try to pay for work wherever possible um they get to know us first by coming in and spending time with us. Uh, We don't Mm. use traditional like um, employment sort of methods of CVs and so on, because we find that they put a lot of autistic people at a disadvantage. So we get to know people and yeah, we create community. They come over.
0: (laughs) Great, thank you so much, Selena. You've been absolutely brilliant. You've been a fantastic Mm -hmm. guest and I've really, really enjoyed. Uh, Really, really enjoyed hearing more from you about what you do and your amazing cafe.
2: Thank you. I was having a great time coming to speak to you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye.
0: Next, we introduce a group of women from Cardiff People First, Joanna, Dawn and Zara. They're all staff members at that self-advocacy organisation.
3: Hi, I'm Joanna. I'm from Cardiff in Wales and it's nice to be here with you.
0: Oh wonderful. Have there been any changes in your health during lockdown?
3: Yes. At the beginning of the pandemic, I was not feeling too great and it was all very anxiety provoking. And then I learned to change my perspective and my views and my way of looking at life. And then because it in the pandemic I've made more friends and I um, got on better with my family and they were a real big support to me so it's improved my
0: life really. Fabulous thank you Joanna that's that's really interesting you're not the first person to say for this podcast that you've made more friends. Uh, Zara and Dawn could you introduce yourselves tell us who you are?
4: My name is Dawn and I work for Cardiff People First. My name is Zara,
5: good afternoon. Um, I'm also an employee of Cardiff People First, but I'm also a volunteer for New People First, my local um, People First organisation. How did you
0: feel when you couldn't see your friends and family?
5: It didn't, it eventually sunk in what this coronavirus was doing to us all. And um, when it when I got the full gist of this, the impact of it all, I was not in my happiest place. Mental health is going AWOL felt um, kind of feverish and um, they were changing rules faster than you can blink. No, it's this, this way. No, it's that way. So um the pace of it and the inaccessibility of it was just overwhelming. And again, that um, um, that fused into my mental health, which, yeah, I think mental health had, had the major hit here, didn't it, girls?
4: I would say because I live on my own. I live in it's in Newport. I live on my own. And it was difficult not see my um, partner and not see my friends either in Cardiff. But now it's more easier and
0: really less restricted. I'd like to ask you what it's been like to work from home. I prefer working in, in the office
4: and home because I I love Cardiff more than anything. And as well, I prefer travelled more.
0: I can see more people, talk to more people. Absolutely, yeah. It is. It can be really isolated, can't it? At home, Joanna. What was your situation? How did you feel if you couldn't see your friends and family?
3: It was isolating. Felt really uh, isolated, but my family was amazing because, especially my sister, because I had her on WhatsApp and, and on a telephone and. She kept in regular contact with me, checked everything was okay very often. And that's how things got more smooth because she helped me get some technology too. And she was very amazing.
0: Oh, fantastic. I'm glad you had her support. How did you make sure people with a learning disability were staying connected?
4: We did loads of uh, regular round online meetings and all. Um, health meetings, we got stand-up meetings, uh, training. What we did was before we started all the um,
5: the ring rounds and this um, online meetings, we um, did sort of like a survey, for it which initially started with the ring round and what they preferred. And then now, because of the rules, um, being more lenient, I think we're going to try proper meetings. Did you
0: feel that the information given to you about the rules was clear?
4: Some of, some of the time. Yes, and sometimes no, because sometimes people with a disability um, get confused about the rules and regulations and all. What
0: award did you win recently?
4: It
3: was the Leaders' List for the um Learning Disability and Autism Leaders' List, coronavirus version.
0: Fantastic, brilliant. And so you won that for What was it you did?
3: We got people connected onto um, technology. Um, our members got opportunity to got connected onto uh, tablets, and we got them connected I tried to break the social isolation and loneliness of people with a learning, dis-
0: a learning disability. That's brilliant. I think it's so important, isn't it what what we've seen with the pandemic is at least if you're online you can you can connect with new people. And that's so important. So congratulations on your awards. It sounds like it's very well deserved and um, it's been really, really important and significant to people. Did you lose some of your support during lockdown?
5: We have, um, as per the criteria, we have a learning disability ourselves. So we need someone to help us um, with our work better. And our right hand, I, I don't like calling them PAs, but um, I call them our right hand girls, if that makes sense. They are um, supporting us via online and we're going to soon meet up properly this Thursday. The methods may have changed, but yeah, we've had support from our families or our colleagues or, you know, however, but the support link has still been there, just in different methods.
0: What things did you miss doing during lockdown?
5: One of my biggest things I missed was
3: having a hug. So why I started at the beginning of lockdown to not feel very great because I missed the social interaction of having hugs
5: and seeing your friends and everything I, I think um i when i first started working it was a brand new um venture for me to go on a bus to another city so um when i gradually got the gist of it i i was like super chuffed i can do this without causing too many um hiccups so that's sort of like um faded i can still catch a bus but now i've got this built-in anxiety that I've got through i take the wrong turn in my um without realising, and then I got lost, so um, I think I missed the liberty of um, knowing where I'm going. So if I catch
0: another bus, it's, it's like, it's going to be more anxious than I when I first started from Square, Square One. I'm interested to hear a bit more about you as a group, and so my next question is about that. So what did you create as part of the Facebook art group? I'm the art group.
3: They would put in pictures up of their artwork. People could put pictures up of their artwork, and... If this is right, it span out of the uh, self-advocacy university, the art group, that's where it started, for um, Cardiff People's first uh, involvement.
0: Is there going to be an exhibition, Joanna? Are you going to show the art or is it on Facebook?
3: It's going to be an exhibition, yeah.
0: Brilliant. What did you do with the Museum of Cardiff?
5: We um, took over the social media pages during the pandemic, so... We got to do like um, a thread of our work, like collaboration work with them and our recent um, our recent activities during the pandemic, our panels, our hobbies, through the project called South Africa University. So our participants of that project got to um, feed in their thoughts and their hobbies through these panels. We've also previously, we've overtaken the museums in the proper sense as well, like our members have um, taken over the museum by working alongside the staff and making it more accessible and just wowing the public's thoughts and all that to change the perspective that people with learning disability can. In fact, um, when given the chance, I might do so much more.
0: So did any of you attend online events?
3: I've been to something called Electric Umbrella quite often. And that's um, like a singing music fun, electric fun, they call it. And it's, a, it's for um, anyone with a learning disability to is on Zoom and there's Normally about a hundred participants, and we just have uh, a fun around singing and doing actions and dancing, and that's been really fun. I was uh, taking part in the um, one of the um, songs that they put out into a music video, and I'm actually one of the participants with loads of other participants on the
5: uh, on the film.
0: Oh, you'll have to send us the link to that, Joanna. That sounds fantastic. Is there anything you liked about lockdown?
5: I got to like my family more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it that's was positive, because so pick- some, some people found um, being in close proximity with their family for a long time really difficult. But obviously, Zara, you had a a, posit- a more positive experience. Then you spent, you know, the time that you never thought
5: was all that important with your family, like playing games and just laughing at each other's jokes, reminiscing about um, more innocent times you appreciate your family more? Uh, we did a digital
3: skills course. All of our staff did a digital skills course called Learn My Way. I quite enjoyed that. And I've done lots of other course, courses and classes during lockdown. And currently I'm doing another class five hours a week. I love learning new skills and getting certificates. So that makes my life happy. I've learned new skills in my flat, such as the microwave more more skills in the microwave connecting to new people encouraging people doing art writing to people um when um what what i call snail mail it's like you know just like a greetings card put in the post but i call it snail mail so i quite enjoy that so that's interesting
0: uh, those are things that are that you you've tried for new and um what you have liked about lockdown. Dawn, I saw you talk a bit now about more about the rules. So what should the government do to make sure that information is easy to understand?
4: Don't speak in jagged. Yeah, more um, step-by-step videos. For people with a disability who without it do not understand the rules and regulations, and mm-hmm. sometimes they come to us and we think, hey, why are the rules and regulations sometimes? And we try not get up really the because England is different to Wales. And it's like, oh, right.
0: Okay. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Do you want to add anything, Joanna?
3: I was originally thinking of adverts, um, regular adverts, but then I just um, got myself thinking, maybe there could have been a learning disability helpline with an easy to remember number on there so people could ask questions.
0: So how do you all feel about coronavirus now?
4: Um, I'm okay about it now because I'm more, you know, getting, getting there slowly. <laughs> but um, for other people I'm thinking of who lives on their own and have got uh, under-life health
0: conditions, their mental health will go down a lot. Sarah and Joanna How do you feel about coming out of lockdown? Oh, that's a biggie.
3: Um, I'm just thinking (laughs) that um, because they're relaxing everything and people are like, loads of people are going to local parks, loads of people are all like in close proximity, that I'm just a bit, not nervous, but yes, nervous, of when, in case there's another mainstream lockdown, in case there's another full-blown mainstream lockdown, or another outbreak, or I know there's other variants out there as well. But um, part of me is happy and glad that the worst is over for us. But also, with something like the situation in India, you that is making me upset because they can't get help in their hospitals and yeah. people are having fatalities outside the hospitals because they won't let them in. Trying to stay positive and keep a happy head on.
0: It's really interesting. I'll ask Sarah, um, our final question, if that's all right, Zara, but um, feel free afterwards, anyone else, to chip in. Um, what should the government do to support women, in particular, with learning disabilities? So what I'm trying to get at is, is there anything that government should do more targeted towards women um, with learning disabilities.
5: Have a more approachable education on the current situation. And should anyone have um, anxiety of approaching brand new people or have a barrier such as language barrier, tackle
4: that as well. And the government should is pay equal pay to staff as staff members, as women who, have got difficulty, who haven't got to learn as well, they should be on same pay as everybody else. Yeah, yeah, so
0: there shouldn't be a pay gap.
4: It should not be a pay gap at all. And also, uh, just
3: like t- treat us, treat people with a learning disability just like anybody else. But also, in like other parts of society, women and men are not treated fairly as a whole and treat women and men equally with or without a learning disability and basically don't try to separate people with or without a learning disability we're all human and just um, try and be kind be kind and try to uh, treat us all the same basically
0: what and a fantastic um that is a fantastic way to to kind of wrap things up Joanna I think because yeah we none of us should be treated differently there's too much inequality none of us should be treated differently and at the very least we should all be treated with with kindness um and i think that is such a strong strong message um disability week
3: you know if you go to supermarket if you buy a bag of carrots and one of the carrots is more wonkier than another carrot It doesn't lose its value and it doesn't lose its purpose. And it's still got the beta carotene and all the nutrients in it to feed you. So don't disregard something because it's not like you.
0: Our final conversation is with Kath Lewis, Senior Policy and Research Officer at Learning Disability Wales. They've been involved in a study researching the impact of COVID-19 on people with learning disabilities. And Kath's going to tell us a little bit about what the study has shown.
6: Health was a big concern. Um, Now about half the people said they had a health condition, which made them worried about catching coronavirus. And this obviously reminds us that people with a learning disability are more likely to experience ill health than other people. The COVID pandemic has a huge impact on family carers and paid support staff as well. They told us that they were finding life hard, finding it hard to sleep, and were stressed and had, and some had to contact a GP as they were concerned about their own mental health and well-being.
0: So what did the research show about the impact of COVID on employment for people with learning disabilities? Well, the research found
6: that one in four people had a job prior to lockdown. Now, when they were interviewed, of these half still working, um, half of the people though said so they were worried about what the pandemic meant for their future employment prospects, and so this is still to be discovered.
0: Yeah, because furlough is carrying on till September, isn't September, it? So I yes. guess we'll see in September the full extent of this. What did the research show around the social life for people with learning disabilities? Um, And how accessible have online events and socialising actually been? Well, two-thirds of the people that I've spoken to said that they've been able
6: to keep in touch with family and friends as much as they wanted, which is obviously a positive. Um, Many use Zoom, although not everybody was able to use Zoom effectively.
0: And how accessible has information and guidance on COVID been? About four in 10 people from the study said that they did not find it easy
6: to find good information about coronavirus, but positively most said that they knew the roles about social distancing. Learning Disability Wales has an easy read service and they were commissioned by Public Health Wales and the wash Government to provide easy read accessible information and that shows there was a willingness on bodies like Public Health Wales and wash Government to make sure that's accessible information was available but the next stage of that was to ensuring that people with a learning disability knew where
0: to find it. If you were first minister, what changes would you make on a policy level? Well, I think we we need, first of all, to think
6: about the impact it's happened, had on people with learning disability and also the parents of people with learning disability. I think it's also important to put into practice recommendations made from the report commissioned by the Disability Equality Forum. The First Minister and Deputy Minister committed to setting up a task force to address the inequalities highlighted by this report and oversee the implementation of its actions. Now, to my knowledge, this hasn't happened, so it obviously needs to happen as a matter of urgency.
0: We heard right at the beginning how the health of people with learning disabilities has really, really suffered. Appointments have been put on hold. People haven't seen the GP when normally they would and problems could be picked up. How confident are you that the NHS is going to catch up? and people with learning disabilities are going to get access to the health that they need now? Well, I think my personal
6: opinion is I'm not very confident. Um, I think there's going to be huge pressure on um, health services in general. And I'm not sure where and the sort of pecking order people with learning disabilities are going to be really. So I think you know, people with learning disabilities face quite an uncertain future.
0: So, yeah, we all need to push for this task force to to be enacted. Mm -hmm. And what's next for the research study? The next phase, part three, will be starting in mid-June.
6: Now, we're going to be holding another event on the 21st of June to provide further updates from the study, but the main focus will be on on influencing future policy development. It's important um, that we actually change the policy uh, because it's incumbent on people who've shared their experiences with us they've told us that life has been hard but with the right support it can get better and we want to ensure that the finds this this research study help shape future policy practice across wales
0: so yeah the message is loud and clear we've got the research we've got the evidence and now we must act upon it thank you so much for your time kath I hope you've enjoyed listening to this first WEN Cafe podcast as much as I've enjoyed interviewing everyone. It's been brilliant. We've discussed everything from carrots to kindness. Um, And I think there are three things that I'd like to kind of sum up with. First, we need much more accessible information. Um, We need COVID briefings, both the written ones and the verbal ones, to be accessible. The second big thing that's come across is every single person has talked about anxiety Um, and each person has found their own strategies for dealing with this. And I think it's really interesting. It's been quizzes, bingo. It's been about art. It's been about silent spaces. And I just think the third thing I'd like to say is that it's definitely the connecting, the wonderful organisations, like the people first organisations we've spoken to and Selena from Aubergine Cafe it's the spaces they've created and the friends they've made over the pandemic that has really got them through this. Yeah, I've learned a lot and I think we should all take Selena's point on board which is get curious and listen to people. Be kind. Thank you for joining us for the WEN Cafe podcast. Don't forget to join WEN as a member for free if you haven't yet done so. Just visit whenwales.org.uk and click on join us. You can also follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at whenwales. Let us know what you thought of the podcast by getting in touch via our social channels or do email us. We're at admin at